We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner Impossible. Coming up, the latest episode of the KCSN Draft Show, getting Chiefs Kingdom ready for the 2023 NFL Draft. Hosted right here in Kansas City with the best analysis, interviews, and content you can find to stay up to date and in the know. With that said, let's begin the show. A very merry draft miss to all of you. This is the KCSN Draft Show. Another episode rolling along almost to April, Eric Galco. We are almost there. What? We're a couple weeks away now. We're starting our like 30 days to draft, right? Less than that now, right? Less than that. It's crazy. Yeah, this is awesome. Maddie Lynn, what's good? Listen, I'm ready for it to be here. Like, I don't, and there's that take out there that the draft should like move and there's too much dead time. And like, well, I get the idea. I think the drafts are the perfect time, but this this last month from the end of the pro days up to the draft is it gets to be a drag sometimes. It's always brutal, especially like we're wrapping up the KCSN draft guide, which is 300 pages of chief specific content that's available for pre-order because it releases on April 5th. Uh, the links in the description of that show uh, of the show right now, whether you're listening or whether you're watching. Um, but I mean, this is just that time of year where things are kind of you know wrapping up for us. I start. I don't know what to do with myself. Because we've just been going a million miles an hour, you know, getting... And you think I'm going to watch baseball? I, oh, I, know, I know. I'm just going to be catching up on, like, day three cornerbacks uh, a little bit more is what I'm going to be doing. But uh, today we're going to be talking about the defensive tackles because we're kind of going position by position. Um, we did QB and uh, running back last week. We'll probably bunch a couple episodes or a couple positions together down the road. Today we're just going to focus on the defensive tackles. Um, it's an interesting group, and I think we got to talk about Jalen Carter off the top. I, I would just, I want to know from you, Galco, from your perspective, how how far does Jalen Carter fall? Like, what do we think, sitting here today, late March, how far do we think Jalen Carter is going to fall after everything is all said and done? Yeah, you know, I, I want to be cautious about talking about character and background stuff, but I think it's important that this incident he had was very serious. It's still ongoing in some ways, right? But this wasn't the only thing that happened to Jalen Carter while at Georgia. And, you know, it's not reports, so I don't want to specify too, too much. And it wasn't 10 things, but it was more than one. And when you're oh, we this before, I think a couple you know, weeks ago on character, it's not about what they did in punishing these guys. That's why they fall in the draft. Is, is this going to be predictive of future behavior? And I think Jalen has, at the very least, and I think people close will probably admit, 
it's left the door open that there could be further issues, right? And when you take a guy in the top 10 picks of the draft, he better make a second contract, right? Or else you're in a really tough spot as a team. And I think it's what a lot of teams think about. And also, not only is that a high draft pick and high capital, but what half of the top 10 teams in the draft, or maybe close to half, are first or second year GMs, right? The Cardinals, Monty Austin Fort, um, new head coach in the Carolina first overall pick. Uh, Ryan Poles in Chicago is second year. He's in a big year. Rand Carthen at Alamo, Tennessee, right? So a lot of teams are also in that spot where, hey, I, new GM, hard to make that kind of bold move. Teams with veteran leadership want to take a risk here. We can add one player to a team like the Seahawks, the Lions, to be a playoff team. So I think when you kind of have those issues that teams think there may be a reason why you don't succeed as a rookie and or don't make a second contract, those are the two big things. I think Jalen Carter has at least left the door for both of those things. That being said, I think if the Chicago Bears they put it first overall before this all came out, it might have been the first overall pick. Mm. So he's he's that talented. I have a hard time thinking that the Bears, who I know like Jalen, has been reported they like Jalen Carter quite a bit, maybe more than Will Anderson. I have a hard time thinking the Bears at nine wouldn't say, holy shit, we just went from one to nine and got our top overall player like Jackpot. Um, so I feel like that's probably his floor. Uh, I'm not positive, though, because, again, Poles wants to have a successful season. They had a great offseason so far, and you don't want to mess up a great offseason with a wasted top 10 pick either. So I, I think the floor is nine. I bet he goes a little before that. Maybe Chicago even trades up to kind of get him a little bit with all the cap up they have, too. But it feels like the top nine picks are where uh, where Jalen Carter is going to go. And, again, if I was a GM, I even though if I talked to him and talked to everybody around him and felt good about it, I'd still feel pretty worried. I'm a pretty risk-averse drafter. If I was a GM, I'd be pretty risk-averse against a guy like Jalen, even though he's so talented. And, like, this is the hard part is, like, we obviously sitting here don't have any insight into any of the off-field stuff, the character stuff, the practice habits, anything that's being brought up. But we did just do a similar thing last year to Kayvon Thibodeau, and all of a sudden we're talking about how he's going to fall. Now, the situations aren't the same. It seems like one of them was a little bit more media-driven and kind of made up that people just simply maybe not liking who the person was. There's definitely stuff, and I don't know how big, not big, or anything like that with Jalen Carter. There's reports going back from, from some people to last year before this kind of last college football season started. So whatever it is, I do think it, there's really something there that GMs and teams are going to have to sort out within that own room. But this is also something that, in this long process leading up to the draft, I think gets overblown a little bit, right? Like, we're sitting here saying that I think we'd all be surprised if he falls out of the top 10 if nothing new kind of comes out. That seems like, like Eric's saying there, the floor is still going to be inside the top 10. And the way that if you follow all these things right now, it almost seems like people think he's going to be in a free fall in the first round. I just don't think it's that far. You're just going to have some teams that are going to err on the side of caution probably skip over him for a player that they have nearby in terms of their rankings or maybe there's a few teams that just completely rule him out based on what they hear but it's not every team so he's still going to be one of the best picks and I mean you just have to watch like 38 seconds of any Georgia game that matters like yeah he maybe takes some plays off when they're playing like their off weeks but any Georgia game that matters you have to watch just a handful of plays and like nope 88's that guy I, I think one more thing to add there because it's a good juxtaposition is for Thibodeau a lot of the concerns were around work ethic, weight, attitude, focus, which are things a lot of teams feel they can either fix with great leadership or with great coaching. Um, and all that all seems fixable. It may not be fixed, but those things seem fixable. But when you have some of the stuff that Jalen has done or been involved with, that is a the next evolution of immaturity is actually that leading to something. 
that's when I think you start getting worried. So, uh, you know, Kayvon fell, but not really. He was still, you know, they were all kind of really good players above him. He went to, what, seven or five, right? That's about it. So he didn't really fall uh, that far yeah. um, when we had so many good players above him too. But I, I think Jalen's a little more of a risk because of kind of the multiple things. And again, they're one thing that's well-known now, a couple other things that are his past as well, recent past. And I think teams are going to say, hey, this is the next... Immaturity is one thing. Immaturity leading to bad actions. That's what teams started to really worried. Kayvon didn't have that and Jalen did. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, there, there's... Not to get too comparative either, but you know we've seen you know Micah Parsons had some stuff with the off field that a lot of people were bringing up. Yep. He goes eleven and he winds up being the best defensive player in the last five drafts. Like, yep, you know, like so. I I don't know. I it's interesting for you to say, hey, the floor is nine because I do, and I I, I tend to agree. I don't think he's getting out of the top ten, but like, yeah, if you listen to other people, you think you know the Chiefs are having to take a hard look at him, you know. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's, I, I, he's the highest film grade I think we had, uh, in the KCSN draft guide this year, if I, if I remember correctly. So there's some interesting defensive tackles here too. I want to talk to you about, and these are not all chiefs related, but like, uh, like Kalijah Cansey, you know, yeah. he's not a fit for the chiefs. He's not a guy that the chiefs, you know, the, the, the prototype interior defensive lineman that the chiefs have typically coveted. He's closer to a defensive end for him than he is a defensive tackle, but do we think that Kalijah Kansi is a guy that's off the board before the Chiefs are picking at 31? I don't. I don't. I think part of it, too, with, along with being a little undersized, and even though teams are cool with that now, it's still a little bit skittish uh, when it comes to those kind of players. He's also been dealing with and had that lingering injury towards the end of the year and, and kind of still recovering from that. That didn't allow him to kind of do any part of the draft process um, for a while there, and I think he's still kind of playing catch up there, too. So I think teams are saying this undersized guy who's you know, going to be 100%, we think, for minicamp, training camp, right? But I think it's it's always lingering when those kind of things come up, too. So I think both of those reasons are why there's a better chance he goes somewhere in early day two where a non-playoff team and a team picking early in the draft is like, oh, man, we can stack Will Anderson and Kalijah Kansi or we can get our quarterback and then get a guy like him, an impact player. So it feels like more of an early day two guy, but immensely talented. And I think if he's in a the right situation where it's probably a 4-3 or a 3-4 hybrid that can kind of allow him to kind of get one-on-one isolation pass rush wraps like that's where he's going to win he could still work in the run game but i think you want to get a guy like him in as many isolated pass rush situations as possible so a 3-4 team who's going to blitz a lot a 4-3 team who's got a bigger nose tackle kind of let him be that three tech or situational one tech on on third downs let him work and yet he's a guy that i've openly I struggle with it's just the the size and the lack of arm length and then when you watch him like the tape it is it's fantastic but a lot of it's kind of the same stuff in my opinion he's just he crosses the face of a guard across from him or a center across from him and then he just runs right by them and they just don't have the foot speed or the hand strength to just match him and it's it's the same thing over and over again and then you go look at who he's playing and sometimes the competition's not great and I just I do have reservations of a guy with his size translating to the NFL at that level. And then even when you start talking about it, you know, people are trying to come up with the perfect fit. Oh, we can put him in Philadelphia next to Jordan Davis because Jordan Davis can take on the double teams. Like, I agree with that, but is that what I want to do with my first round pick as part of my sales pitch is how I can make him work? Chiefs fan, we kind of did this with Clyde Energy Laird not that long ago. We had to talk ourselves into how it worked. Maybe that's not what you want to be doing with a first round pick. Like, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit more iffy on him in the first round for sure even early second. Like, I think there's good fits for him. It's just, 
it's a little bit of a hard sell when I think this early in the draft or that early in the draft, you have to start making these like plans for how he's going to work in certain teams and might not in others. There's a there's a local kid that's one of the highest regarded interior defensive line. We classify him as an interior defensive line in Kansas City's uh, Tommy Adebayore from Northwestern. Uh, did unbelievable things at the NFL Combine at 6'2", 282 pounds, runs a sub 4540. Uh there's yeah. some talks and some dreams that Tommy Adebore because the the drafts in his hometown in Kansas City, he wants to hear his name called on night 1. Do we think he's got a chance to hear his name called on night 1? I, I the testing is through the roof. I don't know if the tape necessarily matches what he's done at the comp. Yeah, I I will say confidently as a match with the tape of the combine. It's not necessarily an insult. He had one of the best combines for defensive tackle we've maybe ever seen, right? Um, one of the top four or five for sure among the defensive linemen. I think, you know, I actually rewatched him just a couple weeks ago just because I, you know, we had our grade and we kind of finalized our grades because part of the Shrine Bowl, especially seniors, like we're done with those guys in like November. So I haven't watched him in a long time. And I went back and watched, Jesus, probably seven of his games, like to, you know, completely. And and then went back again and watched some situational plays and and where he lined up. Can he play DN? Now I'm not really sure. He got think he can. And then all right, so where did his best pressure, like where did his pressures come from, and how often were they against tight ends or on stunts? And you kind of look back at the film, and you're like, you know what? A lot of his best plays were against either lesser talent, mostly though, were on stunts or delays or. He's able. It's a, it's a quarterback who's stepping up in the pocket, and he's just kind of grappling for a second and finishing. It's not to discount his his production. It's not it's not special, but it's just not discounting at all. But he feels more like a D tackle. Somebody said about Cansey earlier, but maybe to a, even a lower degree. Where, hey, he can't be. You know, if you think of like a a, a pass rush as a five man like NBA team, right? Like a starting lineup. Like he's not your one, and he's probably not your two. But he's kind of like your third guy who can get hot and make a couple plays here or there. And I think that's where I get like, all right. If he's your third best pass rusher on your defensive line, and whatever I call it, 314, whatever you want to call it, but like, what are your best five? But he's not your first or second. It's hard to imagine that kind of guy is a first round talent. For me, you know, we have him graded somewhere just off, you know, film and our end of season grades, somewhere in that early day three area. And I think the testing is so damn intriguing. You're like, you know what? Again, if you're a playoff team at the back of round two, Maybe you're like, screw it, let's take this athlete. But I think film-wise, it's, it's hard to imagine he's a first-round pick. To me, it's hard to imagine he's even a top 50, 75 pick. But but the athleticism of the Niable, it's pretty rare, and usually rare guys go earlier than you expect. And, like, I think this is one of the the hardest parts is with him is, like, I agree in, in the general sense, but then you watch the process, and not even just the testing, but he goes to his all-star game, and he looks yeah. great down there showing more pass rush. I don't even want to say polish but more moves and what seems to be a better understanding it's like you don't want to overrate one-on-one pass rush reps like heavily from an all-star game like that's not going to be the only way you want to do it but when you see those traits start to come together in that sense then you see the great testing you do start to get intrigued um okay so i want to ask this sticking with kind of your basketball analogy here yeah. as you know being your third guy are we talking like a like a three and d kind of guy so do we think that he can play the run like at the NFL level. No. Do you want opposite. To- okay. Opposite. No, right. I JR Smith. I, I I might go. I'm not sure how much NBA fans you, you and your listeners are like. I'm thinking like Kevin Herter. Like he's Ooh. a really good shooter. He can defend a little bit, yeah. but he can oh. he can move off screens. He can be your second best guy in certain situations. He can get hot against right. a bad matchup, but like he's not gonna do much more than that. And that guy's really valuable. Kevin Herter makes shitload of money in the NBA, right? Like that guy's still really <laughs> valuable, but it's just right. hard to think that like, hey, no one's trading a 
a lottery pick right now for Kevin Herter. No one's taken a guy like Tommy in the first round and even at the early second round. Yeah. So again, he's a good player. He's a great kid. Like he's gonna he's impressed the interviews. He's impressed the combine. The senior bowl one on one reps, like you mentioned, are like, hey, you know what? All star games in general, pass rushes are good and they're important reps, but it's it sometimes, especially interior guys, like you're always gonna have a second body hitting you. So it's not the most like easily translated. But I think he's shown enough that like it's it something's gonna he's gonna do something in the NFL. What level? How much that rises to a first round level, in my opinion, at least. And I, I'd be surprised if he goes on day one. All right, we're gonna take a break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Uh, if you want to help us grow the show, if you want to help us grow the channel, especially during draft season when... I, mean, I do. I, I hope you do, Matthew. Well, Matthew, hit the like button and hit the subscribe button. Leave comments on the shows. Helps us grow these channels. Helps you uh, get access and find all of our draft content that we have going. April is going to be absolutely insane when it comes to the draft content. We have so much... Uh, that you guys haven't even seen yet. It's going to be a lot of fun. Also, KCS and Draft Guide releases in a week. So, uh, yeah, pre-order that. Click the button in the description of the show. Get it for twelve ninety nine. You get three months of KCS and Substack as well with that. So make sure you're taking advantage of that. So, uh, uh, fine. I don't, yeah. I, I'm going the same place you are, I think. I just want to phrase it a certain way. Eric, what in the world do I do with Brian Brzee? As, as just someone sitting here, there's a lot of talk about maybe a potential back injury. You watch the tape in some games, he looks like the best athlete on the field, that five-star pedigree shows, and you're like, oh, this guy's like that dude. And then you watch him versus, I don't know, let's say Notre Dame, and he's washed out of every single play, and he just it doesn't look like a guy that's going to play or be a high draft pick at the next level. Like, what what is like what are we doing with Brian Rizzi at this point? Is there really an injury issue there that we got to be concerned about long term? I guess I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around him. Yeah, I think I think that I think it's it's not unfair to worry about the the arm length as well for a guy of that position, especially when he's an he's an athlete first. I think he's a really really good athlete. I know it's, it's changed sometimes. I think he's a really good athlete, especially a football based athlete too. Like I don't care about the testing, like what he does sometimes. What he did. Get, yeah, I look back at. I think it was like Georgia a year and a half ago, like that first game in 2021. If you watch that game, like it was like, holy shit, this guy's a bad tight on the field. And he's going against Georgia right now. Um, but I know the, the arm length kind of says, all right, like, what does that mean? Well, maybe he's a guy that can't 
separate as if he's running, you know, in the B gap as a pass rusher, can he kind of separate get that guy as, as a as a pass rusher? I, I don't know, but I, I think he's the injury stuff, the arm length, right? The missing a lot of games and time overall from the football team. Like I, I feel like I probably pushed him out of the top twenty. Um, and there are a lot of good defensive tackles in this draft class. I think it's it's a pretty strong in terms of like guys that can be starters or play a real role in the NFL. Like the equivalent for us of like top hundred, top four round grades. There's quite a bit of those guys this year. So I think he's a guy that I'm not sure teams are going to say. You know what? There's so much scarcity. I got to take this guy early. But uh, it, if he's healthy. He's he's probably one of the best 2025 20, players in the draft, in my opinion, just because I think he is even a better athlete than he tests. And if he's healthy and what he's shown over his college career, even in flash, I think is really impressive too. And at the size, the the physicality, the ability to probably add weight or drop weight if he needs to, depending on your scheme. Like I think he's a pretty I wouldn't say rare, like one notch down from rare, but I think he kind of still has the flash up to a five star hype. So I, I thought for a while there, just watching all these guys during the season. I'm like, that's a top 15, 20 pick. And then you kind of start to build perspective and kind of like, all right, all these things coming in. Again, I like thinking the draft, you can't tell in terms of like, who's actually drafting those guys. So if you're a team not in the playoffs, this feels like a guy you wouldn't want to reach for because he may not play the first year. And you want to find a guy that's going to probably help you year one and kind of grow with you. If you're a playoff team, all right, maybe you can kind of fill a role for us right now. If he's a guy that just plays the whole rookie contract out, the first round pick was worth it. So it feels like a late first round pick. I'd be surprised you got to the round two, but Again, he could be a late first-round pick that we're looking at like six months being like, how the hell did that guy go first round? Yeah, I, I think all of us uh, in Kansas City are just kind of looking at it from a, he's a guy that we wonder if maybe that's a guy that falls to the Chiefs at 31 that they take a long look at. You know, it's kind of trying to figure out like where the board sits. You know, if is he going to be tempting Chiefs fans or taunting Chiefs fans if they go a different direction? Yeah. Um, that's it's just interesting perspective, you know, there's a it doesn't seem like you're super strong on him being available seems more right. like it's probably he's going to be off the board which is fine like hey get him off the board make make sure i don't have to take <laughs> i will ask you this how many defensive tackles do you think are off the board before the chiefs are picking at 31 um i think it'll just be those two i, I don't think there's anybody else besides those two i think can't see falls a little later too i i think a guy like siaki Ika, which we've talked about in a minute too i think he should be in that discussion. I think I just guys that are that big are pretty rare, and I'd like that guy if I was team maybe in the late first round. But I think it'll be just those two guys off the board in round one, and then a whole bunch in the middle to early part of round two. I was gonna say like, is there a case for Mozzie Smith? We think because like it seems like there's some people that believe that Mozzie Smith's a, a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah, and and initially, again, doing a, my first mock draft, what a couple weeks months ago now i was like yeah there's not enough guys in the first round to take if you have to you gotta take that guy but again i think we'll, we'll probably go some names too but Ika, benton dexter jaquel and roy uh who else jalen redmond if he's healthy tyler lacy dante stills like a lot of these guys are are really talented guys can probably fill a very similar role to mozzie smith but mozzie's really talented never put it all together I'd, I'd be scared to take him in the first round because he may never put it all together you you oh, go go Maddie. You just you just no. talk about like our next like the rest of our time. right. No, I, that's all I was gonna do too. Was kind of go the teaser. Let me help you out. It's called a teaser. What? I, you, I didn't know you were looking at our spreadsheet. That's all. I'm, you know, <laughs> we can we can circle back to anybody else here that we missed. But like I have like I don't know, a couple guys that I kind of put in the same mold that I think they're immensely talented, but for one reason or another, I don't know if they lived up to that talent all the time in college. So you mentioned I think believe Gervin Dexter in there. Jacqueline Roy, and then I, I kind of like Zach Pickens as well out of South Carolina. Just yeah. These guys, I think, all have a lot of talent, 
they all I don't know if they played up to the to the ultimate ceiling they could have kind of in college, but I think they could all be better in the pros. And I think these are all guys that you're looking at in round two, maybe early into round three, because I just think they're that good of players in this position. Which of those three guys do you kind of, which guy do you like most out of that group, I suppose? Which three guys was it? Gervon Dexter, Jacqueline Roy, and Zach Pickens. You know, I just watched Pickens. I was watching a quarterback for the next year's draft class because that's where my mind's at right now, too. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? Like, I forget what number it is, but I was like, who is this guy? And, it's, and that's always a good feeling, right? When you, when you guy like literally jumps off the film. Um, and he just, right. again, he's already in last year's draft class. So it was easy, kind of like, all right, let's ignore him for a second. But, um, I, I'm not trying to say him. I, I'd probably say, uh, Jaquel and Roy, um, only because I think, you know, they had Mason Smith there this year who didn't play. And that was kind of efficient to be both of those guys. And Jaquel had to take a lot more double teams. Um, he wasn't able to kind of pass rush as much based on their scheme design. He still had like 50 tackles, um, still rushed the passer pretty well. And I think Roy is is a defensive tackle where he's at the worst, like again, worst case scenario, he can be a nose and three tech and whatever shade you want to play and fill both those roles depending on the down. He's going to be an effective run defender. He can take on two blockers. Um, he can rush the passer in isolation a little bit. I think he more so can penetrate the pocket and push the A gap back a little bit at the worst case scenario, maybe be a better pass rusher too. I just feel safer with a guy like him. And I think more and more NFL teams like, hey, unless you got a guy like Chris Jones, like you're better off having really good depth and having a lot of guys who can do a couple things when you want to go up tempo. And I feel like Dexter and Pickens have a lot of traits, a lot of tools, and they flash a lot more. I just feel better about Jaquel and Roy being in my defensive line room for sure. If I set the over-under on Keanu Benton's draft <laughs> spot at 45. Wow, over that's a good number. My I was going to say the 44 and a half. So. No, I think that's probably about right. Because I, th- I think he, I think he is, him, Iga, and and Mozzie Smith are, for me, that kind of next tier of like, hey, when the round, when day two comes around, if one of those guys are all on the board, if you need to tackle, depending on what you want, you want the big nose tackle, you want kind of the hybrid guy in Benton, you want the freak athlete in, and Mozzie Smith, like they're your three options. So I think those would be the first three off the board. And it, it's hard to say, you know, as we know every year, like once round two starts, it's like a clean slate. And you're like, oh shit, there's like six receivers left or whatever else. So it's hard to say, but but I, I would expect a guy like Benton to at the very least be a te- guy that playoff team straight up for. Because I think he, like Jaquel and Roy, can play a few different spots at a defense. That's going to be valuable. Yeah, that 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 day two D tackle run is going to be very fascinating. Because I do tend to agree. I think there's two. But there's like a lot of guys I could see flying. I could see the run happening some point yep. in the in in that in that second round range. I could see it. I could see it coming pretty hot, honestly. So uh, that is uh, that's an interesting group. I want to know from you uh, our highest. I believe our highest graded Shrine Bowl defensive tackles, Keandre Coburn. Is Keandre yeah. Coburn the first Shrine Bowl player selected on the defensive tackle uh, in the defensive? I don't. Range? I don't think so. And again, I hope. I hope. My buddy Snacks Covert is not not listening. I, I think he's just because I think there's a lot of good a lot. There's a couple of good nose tackles um, ahead that not many teams necessarily need those guys as much. And there's more volatile. Like for example, last year we had Mark Juan McCall from Kentucky, which I our guy ridiculous. He went undrafted. Galco makes the roster. Time out. We have to tell you a story really quick. We got to okay. pause this. Shit. Mark Juan McCall was our. One of our favorite players in the entire draft class last year. Oh, yeah. Two smalling people at the at the Shrine Bowl. He was an immense amount of fun. We it was had, like half our videos because he was so funny. It's the like best. Hilarious. It was the best. At the end of the draft, we got a social media 
frenzy to Marquan McCall's Twitter account telling him to sign with the Chiefs. Don't even know if the Chiefs were interested. Don't know if the Chiefs were signing. We had hundreds of people recruiting him Just to Kansas him. City after he went undrafted. Like, yeah. we were clamoring for him. We tried. I don't, we tried so hard. We, we And we badly wanted him in Kansas City. He actually made sense in Kansas City. But anyways, he did. No, he, but again, but the point was that like I, there are teams that had draftable rates and that liked him and nose tackle. There's not many teams that need those guys or want those guys in the draft too. And like Marquand should have been a third, fourth round pick. He started games to the Panthers. I think it's Panthers, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So like he's just, he was a great player. And my point on snacks is that like, hey, I, I think he should be a top 100 pick. I think he's an NFL nose tackle. Um, I think, but you could have a third round grade in that guy. I'm like, well, we already got our nose tackle earlier. We're good. Or, hey, you know what? Like, we, we can get that guy later if we have to as well. I would say it's going to be tough because there's Moro Jomo is well-liked by a lot of teams. Dante Stills of West Virginia had, I think, any, every other D tackle would not mind me saying this. He had the best week of any yes. tackle at the Shrine Bowl. He was really, really impressive. Um, there are teams that really like Kobe Turner of Wake Forest. Uh, not a fit for everybody, but similar to Kalijah Cansey where it's like really situational but really impressive guy. And then P.J. Mushman had a great week of practice as well too. So, to answer your question somewhat directly, I would say Ojomo or Dante Stills on day two. Um, but really, Ojomo, Stills, Mustafer, Coburn, um, and even Kobe Turner, all five of those guys have a pretty good chance of going late day two, early day three. It's, Stills was a guy I wanted to ask about because I'd say yeah. thing, watching him at the Shrine, it was great. I remember watching him and, and his brother at West Virginia last year, and I thought Dante Stills was, I had a higher grade on him last year. He went yeah. back to school. I was like, oh, wow, that, that surprised me. And this past year, it looked like he, you know, they played him inside a little bit more, which maybe didn't make him look as flashy, but I thought it was good for his process. He has a great you know, uh, all-star circuit going into testing. Why does national media not talk about it? Like, like what is the disconnect here? I know not everyone's doing seven-round mocks right now, but like his name rarely comes up when we start talking about these day-two defensive tackles, and it does, it's a little baffling to me that he doesn't come up very often. Yeah, I mean, I mean if I can a little bit bashed just media in general right it's like hey he didn't test freaky at the combine and he's a d tackle and those guys don't get extra looks right i mean again kobe turner deserves his praise he's getting it he's part of it because he had a super high pff grade because he killed it right but people are watching for him for those reasons and there's not many guys like you guys that actually like look at all these players and go down in depth a little bit like all right let me give the guy his his day but i again i'm not as worried about that certainly I, it helps every scouts on twitter i've very much aware of that even more than it was before this job that like every single scout is on Twitter and read my tweets, reading your tweets, sending me texts about the PFF mock draft simulator being down. Like I, the scouts are on Twitter and I think that's why I, I a little bit want to make sure that people are the right guys, but, but I know grades around the league for Dante and I think Dante playing, you kind of mentioned it, playing a little more inside this year. He's played five tech. He's even had edge rusher reps, right? He did a couple of those things at the Shrine Bowl as well that I think teams again, feel safe with Dante still. It's like, all right, worst case scenario, he can play four or five different techniques on our defensive line. And best case, he's a guy that has the ideal height. He's got some twitch to him. He can be really physical. He plays well away from his frame. Like, maybe he can get a lot better when he's just doing one thing in our defense. So I think I think that's why Dante is a guy that, you know, once you kind of leave, and I think he's a guy that most teams have in that third, fourth, the equivalent of the third, fourth round grade, right? And not again, we always forget sometimes, like, all right, teams don't have a hundred top three round grades. And I think when you get past those first two round grades, you're like, all right, let's just get a guy in the top hundred who's not gonna screw me over in a couple of years, and that's gonna be Dante. Like he's gonna be on your roster for for three, four years at least. That's why I think he goes somewhere on late day two. So hopefully this podcast gets him his his flowers because he deserves to be much more there you go. about than he is right that's now. That's our goal. We can start another social media movement if we need yeah. to. Yeah. 
Yeah, Brett Veach calling you guys. Stop it with the D tackle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just another. It's just another D tackle again. But D, Dante still is. We think uh, three four four three best fit for him. I think three four, just because I think those guys are hard to find. I think guys that can play a five tech are harder to find. It's it's almost like if a guy can play tackle or guard, one was trying to tackle first, because just because they're harder to find. I, I think he'll probably play a three-tech role in the NFL, a three-four-I, that kind of role, because I think he's really good there, especially as a run defender. Like That's where he, I thought he really striped the Shrine Bowl. He had some flashy pass rush reps, but in my opinion, just off the grades that I did, like I thought he was the best run defender all week in practice, and I think that's kind of where the reliability, probably some of that experience played a couple different roles. Like He just gets how to play run fits with a couple different spots. So I, I think that there's not many other five techs in this entire draft. Um, Tyler Lacey comes to mind and a couple other guys, maybe, and that's about it. So I think I'd, I'd try him in five tech if I needed a five tech, but I bet enough three tech teams like him that he'll go and kind of be a guy that's a three tech, four eye, and figure out from there. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. A sports network for today's fan. KC Sports Network. Podcasts, YouTube, social media, live shows. KCSN. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hey, do us a favor. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you're watching. We really appreciate everybody that's been hanging out with us, uh, helping us grow this channel. A lot of draft content coming your way at KC Sports Network. Trust me, you are not going to want to miss it. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, you know, Turn the notifications on if you want to find out what's going on with KC Sports Network when we post all this sweet, sweet draft content. April is going to be absolutely insane. Um, okay, so, you, I mean, there it, it, it does feel like this draft, just across the board, up and down, one through seven, rounds one through seven, it does feel like there are a lot of nose tackles. Like, yeah. we were talking about the cornerback position the other day, um, and it feels like, you know, the Chiefs have a ton of cornerbacks already. They've got, they've got a bunch of veterans, but there are a bunch of rookies last year, and they all hit and all that stuff. But it just feels like it makes too much sense to just let value fall to you on day three and grab one of these corners. Kind of feels like that could be the same case for the nose tackle position. Is there are some nose tackles that could be down there and falling because of what you said earlier? That would just make a lot of sense for for the Chiefs to just kind of just go grab one of those guys. Hundred percent. And, and there's guys that we've talked about from the Shrine Bowl. Broderick Martin has uh, Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He's had four, you no, know, maybe more than that now. Top thirty visits as a non combine guy. And usually, in my experience, once you get to like five or six teams that do a top thirty with you, like. You're getting drafted in probably the top four or five rounds to get D tackles. Who knows? Right? It's a little harder, but but that's, you know, he's a heck of a nose tackle. I'll tell you a guy that, I'll be honest, we we kind of didn't grade as highly, and a team reached out to us to add a link to the Shrine Bowl. Terry Hampton from Arkansas, which a guy I'm sure most people haven't watched too much, but he was awesome during Shrine Bowl week. And again, I had a team, I'll be honest, like he was not a guy we had graded. That team called me being like, hey, we got a draft bowl graded this guy. Like if you have a spot, please get him in there. So, He's a guy that's, again, probably a PFA, most likely a PFA, but he's a guy that can play nose tackle for you. So I think you're down on it's a really strong class. I think that's, that's why I worry about stacks a little bit. A couple other D tackles, too, who may, may get drafted early because they're really talented, but may see you know some teams not maybe need it. It's almost like quarterbacks, right? Like once you get one or you want to pass the dish all together, then you kind of wait till undrafts a free agency, too. But but a strong overall class at nose tackle. Even guys that were at the Shrine Bowl, Gerard Clark, Really talented player, right? Another nose tackle, a big guy that can kind of fit a couple spots. Nesta, Jade Silvera, et cetera, too. So a lot of that position, too. I think it's making a bit of a revival um, as a position that teams kind of didn't care for a while and now realize, like, hey, having a, a really big guy in the middle of your defense can help. But we'll see how it plays out on draft day because some, some of these guys are going to be left really disappointed on whether they want draft day just because of how deep it is. 
Let's talk a little bit about Broderick Martin Moore because I think it's a player that yep. a lot of Chiefs fans don't know about, but he well, has had the Chiefs are one of the Chiefs are one of the teams that have brought him yep. in on a top thirty visit. Um, and so, just what did you see from him? You know, that got you guys to invite him to the Shrine Bowl, or what did you see down there that should make? And, you know, it's a nose tackle. Not everyone's going to get excited about a nose tackle, but why should fans of a team be excited for something like why Martin as a potential draft pick for their team? I think he's. 85 to 90% of Jordan Davis. Like, I think that's how he plays. I think he's, again, not as freaky of an athlete, um, but I think he's a good athlete and a really good mover. I think he dominates the same way in the run game as Jordan Davis does. And he's a guy that, you know, I was, and and again, he's a guy that both our area scout, I'll give him credit, Riley Bymaster did a great job early in the season, was like, hey, this guy's a real player. And right when we started considering him, I had two teams call me like, hey, have you watched Western Kentucky Kid yet? And I think there was a lot of like area scouts. He was a guy that area scouts were like, don't tell anybody, but like, I like this guy a lot, right? Because it was like a secret for a while. Probably still is a secret a little bit. Maybe the, the secret's out at this point. But like a lot of teams recognize that, hey, forget the pass rush not being there. Who cares? Like neither Jordan Davis, this guy is dominant. So I've heard a lot of the Jordan Davis comp is not even my own. I've heard that from a couple teams that I've had a lot of interest in him saying, hey, this is a guy we really like too. So I, I think he's... He's a nose tackle that I thought, I think a lot of teams said, hey, we can maybe steal this guy as a PFA or a late round pick. And I'm not sure he's going to be there anymore too. So I'm not sure if it's the Chiefs, I'll defer to you guys. If he fits the the measurable numbers that you, Maddie, know back of your hand for the <laughs> lineman and stuff. I got yelled at last time, mentioned a player who didn't fit Spag. Oh, <laughs> I'm here. But, but I, right. I, I, he's a draft pick and he's got a lot of interest. And again, I think the, the quick answer is 85 to 9% of Jordan Davis. No, I think that he would be a great fit for a nose tackle for the Chiefs. I mean, we're talking long arms, big bodied guy. That's and he still has you know explosion upfield. I think that's the big thing. Yep. Steve Spagnuolo doesn't want a nose tackle that is literally just going to get out of a stance and hold his ground only. He does want them to be able to get into a gap, own a little bit of space, get off blocks, and you know even if you just want to have some fun, go search Broderick Martin on Twitter, or go to the videos tab, and you're going to see some plays where. Like Eric's saying, you get some Jordan Davis-esque-looking stuff where he's extending a center off of his body and you see him peeking his head off to both sides before shedding them and then chasing down a guy. Like, There's a lot of fun highlights out there of him already if you don't even want to spend a ton of time looking. And like, yeah, I think he would fit great. I'm really excited. Disappointing that a lot of teams are bringing him in. Uh, you know, those guys you hope that you can steal late in the draft if you're a Chiefs fan who desperately need a nose tackle right now. Yeah, but I mean, you look at it, and we we're talking about you know those guys. There could be a suppression of the market a little bit for them, and like that's an area where the you know the Chiefs have some day three capital. Maybe they can capitalize on that, you know. And, and maybe it's not a product market, but it's somebody, you know, somewhere in day three where they're able to get you know a, a, a bigger nose tackle. Where I mean, Derek Nottie's back, you know, he's back on another one year deal. But I mean, it was kind of a kind of a down year for for Derek Nottie last year. So let's see. I'd love to see what Joe Colin can do with with a guy like Broderick Martin. Is you might know this Galco off the top of it if you don't know big deal. Is Broderick Martin because like I believe he started his career at Northern Alabama. Um, yes. Is he a, is he on the older side of a prospect? No. Okay. Nope. No. No. I kind of a, sure he's a four year player. Only. Okay. He's a five year player, but not on the older side. No. Okay. So he just he just two years at Northern Alabama. Yeah. Okay. Crushed it. Transferred up. Okay. Okay. You play right away there too. New coaching staff that year, West Kentucky too. That's why I kind of transferred there as well too. So, yep. Yeah. All the right reasons. Not a bad thing. No, for sure. I mean, he's yeah, yeah. Northern Alabama to to yeah do yeah makes makes all the sense in the world. Um, this is your this is the chance to I want I want you to drop some knowledge on some Shrine Bowl guys that are probably going. I know we've talked a lot about these Shrine Bowl guys already, but some 
just a couple of guys that you think <laughs> might be going a little bit earlier than people are talking about right now, or we need to be paying more attention to. No, it, you pick favorites, but <laughs> it's a strong G tackle class in general. And I, and I had a tough time, you know, we, we do our own and kind of internal projections to kind of really give our players an honest view of where they might go. And it's hard because I, I've gotten multiple draftable grades on like last time, well, like at least three or four and usually top five round grades on like 11 of our guys at yeah. D tackle just on the interior, right? If, including Valami Fahoko, who's Probably a deal with him at the end time too, but he kind of plays some deep tackle stuff as well too. So not kind of get just ten, but that's a lot of guys. And I think it's it's hard because it's hard to expect these. You know, we kind of project about six or seven of these guys to get drafted based off our analytics. So I'm not sure all six of him will get drafted, but guys like Scott Matlock, there are some teams that love Boise State Scott Matlock, not just because he has awesome hair and is a great personality. And there are some teams that really like it, Kenna Wachiku from Rice, who can kind of play that five tech as well. He was a combo invite. So I mean, they team teams. Like him as well too. Deswan Johnson of Toledo, tough kid. Um, he played well during the tribal week too. He's more of a three tech guy. Charon Vincent of, of Ohio State, obviously Troy's son, had a good week of practice as well too. Devoncha Maxwell, second highest grade among all D tackles in this draft class after Kobe Turner among FCS players. So like all these, I mentioned Terry Ant, like all these guys have a reason. So it's tough to pick a favorite. But again, I I think it'd be Ojomo and Stills at the top. But I think six, seven, eight, nine of these guys will get drafted. It's a good D tackle class for us. Yeah, I think you guys did it's fantastic. Honestly, like Thanks, I'm man. not just yeah, yeah. I think you guys killed it. I we're looking at we're looking at our board, and we got you know a lot of guys that that got. I, I'd say the fun the fun part I learned from a year ago is 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 for us selfishly is when non combine guys get drafted. And last year we had I think we had twelve non combine guys get drafted, and then we had seven additional make fifty three man rosters. And that I I hope is a sign of like hey we're trying to we're trying to scout right right. The scouting is super subjective, and sometimes. A little Fugazi, but I think guys like Kobe Turner, Scott Matlock, Broderick Martin are three combine non combine guys alone. They're going to get picked. That's I think a, hopefully a good job by us, but also a good opportunity that the Shrine Bowl kind of creates for these guys too. So again, I like look at the Shrine Bowl roster. I would say most of these D tackles are going to get picked if you want to start watching guys as you get closer to day three of the draft. It's a good D tackle class through and through. Like you guys did a great job down there. There's guys, and we yes. talked about a lot of names. We've talked about a lot of names in the defensive tackle class. I mean. We've been going here for like almost 40 minutes and we've gone through what seems like a lot of names. And that's that's interesting because a D tackle class usually isn't the strong suit of an NFL draft, right? And I'm not saying that this is the strongest position in the draft or anything. And it's kind of hard when we're talking, we think there's maybe two of them that are even like really in competition for that first round. But once you get to day two, there's just so many guys that kind of deserve to be there and so many guys that can stop the run, so many guys that can rush the passer. That's just a pick your flavor kind of a defensive tackle mm-hmm. all the way through. Like, it's a fun class, and I'm not going to say it's the best position class in the draft, but it's a fun class. And so for a team like the Chiefs, who have Chris Jones technically still on his last year of his deal right now, leading you know at the time they were recording this, we don't know when that's going to change or if it will. And then they kind of have Derek Noddy, Tershawn Wharton. Like, they have bodies in there to help along the interior defensive line, but they need more players. They need guys to come in, eat snaps, and stuff like that. So it's it's a good class to kind of need some of those guys while maybe not needing the you're that star of your defensive line. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with the defensive tackle position, where they go, if the Chiefs take one, and where they do. I, I think there's some very intriguing names up and down the board. It's been a lot of fun breaking it down with Eric Dalco and Maddie Lane. Thanks, y'all, so much. I'm Ken Swanson. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU. 
K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.